Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And this is the Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you about it. Hey Kyle. Hey Benny. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? So good. Looking forward to uh, hearing about Doctor Who. Yeah, we got our first episode in the can. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we did in fact finish. (laughs) So good job, us. We'll see if or when I actually get around to editing it, and if or when you, the listeners, ever actually hear it. But we did record it. Yeah, so like for us, we're like, what's going to happen next? But for you, the listeners, like you already know, they must have put it online at some point if you're listening to this. It's almost like our own form of time travel. Indeed. I'm going to keep telling that joke every chance I get. Here we are in the present. Yes. But the people who are listening to us are in the future. Yes. But they think that they're in the present. But they're wrong. But they're wrong. <laughs> this is clearly the present. Yes. So, Doctor Who, I've watched a fair amount of Doctor Who before. Uh-huh. You watched a lot of Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, and probably some of our listeners know, that for a little while I was writing a blog. Yes. Where I would watch Doctor Who. Yes, I was a fan. And I, I was, was your number one fan. <laughs> That's probably why I'm here. <laughs> it was kind of the same idea as this podcast. I would watch Doctor Who and I would tell you about it. Yep. But, you know, that was then and this is now. Yeah, and to be fair to our listeners, like, a lot of it has kind of muddied it together in my brain at this point. And I'm <laughs> like, I, I know they went and saw the Aztecs at one point, and you actually showed me that episode. But yeah, that was a good one. For some reason, when I think of the old Doctor Who, I was like, there was that weird Aztec episode with all the white people playing the Aztecs. <laughs> and like, that's, that's what I remember. Yeah, that sounds about accurate. <laughs> we'll get to that later in the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I've seen, of the old Doctor Who, I know I saw... The first two seasons in full, I believe, and I might have even started on the third. I'm not sure on that, but that's all. That's all the first Doctor. I in in my blog, I never even got past the first Doctor. Mm-hmm. I've seen a couple of episodes here and there of later Doctors, but you know, I couldn't really say I'm terribly familiar with any of them. Yeah, until. The more recent series is, which I believe at this point I have seen all of. Nice. I didn't start watching them until probably 2012 or 13. Oh, really? Yeah. I, was, I didn't realize that you didn't watch them when they first came out. Yeah. They rebooted. I was a really late start. It was, it was interesting. I saw, if I remember right, I saw the second episode, The End of the World, mm-hmm. like when it first aired. This was back in the day of like VCRs and VHS tapes long, long ago in 2005. And there was some other show that somebody had recorded for us because they thought we might want to watch it. And they had also just happened to record Doctor Who on the same <laughs> videotape. So I watched it and it was interesting. And But it didn't grab you at the time. You weren't like, oh, that was cool. I want to watch the rest of them. It was less that it didn't grab me and more that I just didn't really have good access to it. Oh, yeah. I didn't have cable. And uh, this was before I really did much 
alternative accessing of TV shows online. Yeah, how much do we want to talk about that here <laughs> on this podcast that anyone can listen to? <laughs> well, I will say on this podcast that is public and available for law enforcement and other people to listen to that classic Doctor Who is available on BritBox, <laughs> which is a streaming service put out by the BBC. Sponsor us, BBC. Indeed. We would love your money. <laughs> we want your sweet, sweet BBC money. We want your shillings and pounds. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so yeah, so I started on, on the modern Doctor Who much later than the show itself started. Mm-hmm. But when I did get started on it, I started with Christopher Eccleston, Good. In the first episode. That's what it started. That's right. As you're supposed to. Yes. So I guess that's my, my brief Doctor Who history is I've seen all the modern stuff from Eccleston through Jodie Whittaker, and I've seen very little, relatively speaking, of the classic Who, but still a fair amount. Yeah. So now that we're in the second episode and we're all friends now, I can reveal that I have indeed watched a fair amount of Doctor Who myself. Um, And I started, as Kyle did, on uh, Christopher Eccleston, the ninth Doctor. He'll always be my Doctor. Um, And I think I watched it, like, I don't remember if it was as it came out or, like, shortly after, but I think it was right around that time that I was watching these um, and I really, yeah, I really love the Christopher Eccleston stuff. I think I watched, like, the first season or so of, uh, um, David Tennant, and then, I don't know, just for some reason, like, I, I, I like David Tennant, I think he's great, I think he's a great doctor, um, but I guess I just got bored with it or into other, other shows or something, and then afterwards I just sort of, like, checked in every now and then, like, I've seen a couple episodes of Matt Smith whom I was never, like, a huge big fan of. And I think you showed me, like, one or two episodes of Peter Capaldi. Mm. And I don't even... I don't think I've ever even seen any of uh, the Jodie Whittaker ones. Because those relatively just came out. Right. I don't think that we've watched any Doctor Who since since she's been the Doctor. I mean, to be honest, like, I really loved uh, Christopher Eccleston. And, like, after that, though, to me, they just kind of went lower <laughs> and lower in tears. Um... I can kind of see that. I, mean, I, I don't even know like how I feel about Jodie Whittaker because I've never seen her. Maybe she's amazing. Right. This is all you know. Spoilers for season twenty thousand of our podcast, by the way. But yeah, I would of, of who the future doctors are. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I imagine that you know by episode twenty thousand, people probably know that there were other doctors. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, I. I would tend to agree of the modern doctors, I think, for the most part. Uh, Eccleston is definitely my doctor. Yes. You know, they always say, Good. you remember your first. <laughs> we can still be friends. And oh, Kyle, we should have first. <laughs> I liked Tennant. You know, I can understand why so many people have him as their favorite. Yeah, he's great. He's a, he, was a, he was a really good. I liked him a lot. Matt Smith, I was not a particularly big fan of. Mm-hmm. It just didn't didn't really feel like the Doctor to me. Yeah. And, you know, I know the Doctor has different personalities and different phases of life and whatnot. He's not always an old asshole. Right. <laughs> but, you know, old asshole is kind of funny sometimes. 
Actually, that would have yeah. been funny. Like if they had just kept the same personality, but re- oh, that would be it all the time. That'd be really interesting. And actually, been, like seeing Christopher Eccleston being like, "Oh, you, you wouldn't understand. I'm not uh-huh. going to bother explaining it to you." <laughs> and then they have the classic stuff. I've just seen the stuff that you showed me, which is just a couple episodes, right? Like the the Aztecs. So, yeah, I guess that's basically kind of our our history with Doctor Who. Yep. Uh, history that is going to be expanded greatly over the course of this podcast. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's all I know. And the little I remember from, from your blog, which was like 10 years ago? Something like that. It's yeah. been a while. Yeah. So, what do you say we find out what's happening with the Cave of Skulls? <laughs> I, I mean, like, they have such good titles in these episodes, like, The Unearthly Child, and I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> she's not of this earth, uh-huh. and, like, no, she's a teenager, like, listening to her rock music and right. doing a weird hand dance. Doing weird hand dance. And dances. here's, like, the cave of skulls, like, oh my gosh, like, how rad is that? Is it a cave made entirely of skulls? Is it a cave full of skulls? Is it a cave with talking living skulls? Probably not. Probably <laughs> budget. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the name because right now each episode is individually named Unearthly Child, Cave of Skulls. I won't spoil the future names because I don't have them listed in front of me. <laughs> but at some point they start, they stop doing that basically and they start giving names to like the overall serial or the story that uh, they're telling. Yeah, yeah. So then you'll get you know, the planet of crazy shit part three. Part three is where the planet of crazy shit really got good. Really though. gets crazy. Yeah, yeah. Until then was just shit. Yeah. <laughs> you only get the crazy shit starting in episode three. They kinda of roll it out like episode one they're just kind of on a planet. Episode two they kinda of realize it's a shit planet. <laughs> yes. It's not till episode three. Yep. So after this break, let's talk about the cave of skulls. So the Cave of Skulls starts off right where An Unearthly Child ended. I believe it's probably even the exact same model shot of our little five-inch TARDIS. They're really getting their money's worth. Right. That five-inch TARDIS. (laughs) And we see the shadow approach. They're they're five pounds, six shillings worth. (laughs) This time, though, we don't just see the shadow camera actually cuts to a different angle and we see the person casting the shadow. Oh my gosh. And it turns out it is this caveman who we will shortly learn is named Cal the caveman. <laughs> I I mean like I just assume it's some dude like, you know, mostly naked but he's got like the fur furry briefs on and he's got like <laughs> The, the sash thing, you know, the furry uh-huh. sash connecting to his furry briefs. And right. Like classic. Like the leopard print. Yes. And yeah. How, how, how close am I? Uh, uh, not too far off. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we're going to learn that it's actually quite cold here. So he's, he's rather covered in furs rather than mostly naked. Okay. But, but yeah, definitely a lot of fur, some kind of like 
bushy beard, facial hair happening. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was picturing him clean-shaven, which you'd think would be kind of hard to maintain <laughs> as a cave, cave person. And, but we, we only see Cal for just a moment before we cut to a scene inside of a cave where we see a different caveman. Well, we see a whole group of cavemen, of cave people, not just men. We see this whole group of cave folks, and one of them, who is this guy that we will learn is named Za. <laughs> Za is rubbing a bone between his hands. Uh, you know, he has like... <laughs> With everyone just standing around watching. Right. <laughs> they didn't have any concept of privacy back then no. in the uh, old times. Unfortunately. In prehistory. It's a, it's a shared cave. <laughs> Uh, so everyone, everyone's just watches Zah rub his bone, and and he's he's rubbing it between his hands, and you're not quite sure what he's doing until there's a little bit of dialogue that makes it clear that he's actually trying to make fire. <laughs> Gonna have to rub that for a while, there, Zah. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't know if you want to keep. This is an adult podcast. <laughs> Sorry to all my family. Mom, have you ever listened to this? <laughs> I have no idea what Kyle's even talking about right now. <laughs> it turns out that Zaw's father actually knew how to make fire, but he was killed. Oh, man. And he never showed Zaw how to do it. Now, literally nobody knows how to make fire anymore. Civilization is doomed. Right. Essentially, basically, yeah. We're introduced to an old woman in the cave. Uh, I don't think we ever get a name for her that I ever caught. I think she's just the old woman. And she doesn't have any faith in Zaw's fire-making abilities, and she makes that very clear to Zah. A lot of dragging on Zah, you know, where's the, where's the fire that Zah makes? And, you know, obviously it's not there. He, he is unable to make fire. <laughs> Poor Zah. He's just been rubbing that bone and nothing's happening and everyone's like just shaking their heads and embarrassed. Or you know, if it takes more than four hours to produce <laughs> fire... You should talk to your doctor. You should talk to your doctor about that. <laughs> so, like, are, are, are we doing, like, the caveman talk, like, you know, uh, it's, no fire. It's not quite to that extent, <laughs> but I am pretty sure that they haven't invented pronouns yet. Because it's all, like, za this and za that, and Cal's going to show up at the cave in a little bit, and then it's Cal this and za that. And, mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm, I'm not not entirely sure... If they've invented pronouns, I think this is still pretty early in language technology. It's, it's you know somebody innovated that, and, but maybe they didn't need pronouns because everyone's names were so short that there was yeah no, like, that could be you know, like one syllable grunt names anyway. Right, doesn't save you any time to use a pronoun. We are shortly introduced to the the cave's potential love interest, which is a woman named Her. And, and that's where the pronouns <laughs> came from. We just, man, we just busted this thing wide open. Yeah, that, that's clearly it. We cracked the case, Kyle. <laughs> Her tells Zah that there are some old men who think that maybe 
this stranger cow should be the leader. And she says, you know, the leader is the one who makes fire. <laughs> Seems legit. They will make Cal the leader. And my father will give me to him, she says. And, you know, Za is... Za doesn't like this. He says, oh, Cal is no leader. And she says, well, the leader is the one who makes fire. This leads to some very brilliant and amazing dialogue. I just can't imagine how much time they spent writing this. Uh, I don't even feel like I can do it justice in quoting it, so I'm going to just play a clip from the episode. This is after her tells Za that the leader is the one who makes fire. This is Za's brilliantly eloquent response. Huh? Huh? I mean, what a brilliant political speech. Like, how could you not vote for Zah being the leader after that? I kind of wish that we still had the same political system that they had back then, because I feel like, I don't know when you're listening to this right now, but uh, in 2019, the person in charge, I'm pretty sure you could give him a stick and, you know, some shavings or something, and he would never be able to make fire. Yeah, and honestly, I'm not sure that his political speech would be quite as eloquent as Zaz was anyway. And yet there's something reminiscent of it. (laughs) After this brilliant speech, Cal grabs like a stick off the ground or whatever, and he, he breaks the stick in half looking for fire. He says, where is the fire gone? Where is he? You know, kind of tries to peer inside of this broken stick. And about this point, we cut back to... Cal, our shadow caveman from the start, he's watching the TARDIS, and we then cut pretty immediately into the interior of the TARDIS, where Ian and Barbara have woken up now, and are, you know, kind of collecting themselves. And meanwhile, Susan and her grandfather are kind of messing with the console. It seems like they're maybe performing some scans and tests and whatnot. And Ian and Barbara come to and get back to themselves, and they start to wonder, you know, what's going on and where they are. Susan and her grandfather explain to Ian and Barbara that, you know, This is a time machine. It moves through space and time. Uh, We have just moved through time now. And Ian really doesn't buy it. You know, (laughs) Mr. I take things as they come just can't possibly believe that this is what's happened. Uh, It's all an illusion. Right. Barbara, on the other hand, immediately believes. And, you know, she's... She's confused, and, you know, she doesn't understand it, obviously, but she believes it. The doctor, or the grandfather, you know, shows them, you know, this is, you know, kind of motions to, like, a TV screen in in the TARDIS, and he says, you know, this is the scanner, this is the immediate view outside the ship right now, and it's all, you know, sand and dirt and rocks, and, you know, Ian's like, oh, that's 
that's what we're going to see when we go outside and, you know, just completely flabbergasted by this whole thing and not believing it and not buying it. And, and there's a interesting little exchange where the grandfather is saying, you know, you really are a stubborn young man, aren't you? And Ian says, all right, show me some proof. Give me some concrete evidence. He'll believe it. Like, or he says he'll believe it, you know, if, if it can be proven, like so far, they've just been like in this room, you know, as far as he knows, there's still the junkyard outside. He's, you know, sort of beginning to accept that, like, the TARDIS is bigger on the inside, but, like... Time travel. Time that's travel, that's beyond the pale. I mean, come on. And so Grandfather says, you know, what concrete evidence would satisfy you? And Ian says, just open the doors, Dr. Foreman. Which is interesting. He calls him Dr. Foreman. Because, of course, Susan, Susan's name is Susan Foreman. Or, you know, that's how she was listed at her school or whatever. Mm-hmm. So Ian says, you know, just open the doors, Dr. Foreman. And Grandfather says, Hey, Doctor Who, what are you talking about? I just said Doctor Who. He did indeed. And I have the name of the show. I believe this is our first time that we've actually referred to him as Doctor Anything. I'm not positive because I didn't, like, read the script. But I, I feel like in the first episode, he's just grandfather or, you know, Susan's grandfather or, you know, the old man. But here he's apparently not Dr. Foreman, he's Dr. Who. I don't know. And, you know, as we already discussed in the credits, he's William Hartnell is credited as Dr. Who. Mm-hmm. The doctor and Susan finish running their scans he comments that it seems that the urometer is broken. The urometer. So, you know, he's not entirely sure, like, when they are, but... But they have dirt. Right. There is dirt outside. And rocks. Ian, of course, is still not really believing it. He wants concrete evidence. He wants the doctor to open the doors, and the doctor's saying, I'm not going to open the doors until I'm sure it's safe. Mm-hmm. And then, like, moments later... He's sure it's safe, and so we're going to open the doors now. But we do get kind of a, you know, kind of a few hints that maybe the TARDIS doesn't quite work as well as he expects, or maybe he just doesn't quite know how to operate it or something. It's not entirely clear, but, you know, he mentions, like, the urometer is not working he, you know, we can go outside and we can, like, take a few samples and we can work it out, but, like, but the urometer is... Come on. Yeah, that's true. Junkyard. And, you know, he, he says something about how he wishes that I wouldn't keep letting him down. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I think... I'm sure we'll learn more about the TARDIS as the series goes on, but at this point it's kind of unclear if maybe it's just kind of junky like maybe it actually belonged in the junkyard you know uh ian still doesn't believe it so much for i take things as they come barbara says you know i can't help it i just believe it like mm-hmm. you know she accepts it so the doctor finally he says you could touch the alien sand and hear the cries of strange birds and watch them wheel in another sky would that satisfy you i have to say it's pretty rad yeah, I liked that line a lot. 
And Ian agrees, yeah, that would satisfy me. He's like, hell yeah, let's do that. <laughs> so the doctor opens the doors and says, see for yourself, as he strolls out. And he's like, what, what happened to my alien skies and my wheeling alien birds? All, right, that, all I got that's was Earth sky, right? All I got was dirt. <laughs> so, you know, we, we've just established, if you open the doors, that's concrete evidence. I would believe that. Yep. If I see... Alien birds wheeling in the skies. I would believe that. Mm -hmm. The doors open. What's Ian's response? It's not true. It can't be. Dang it, Ian. Yeah. The doctor just says, well, I have no time to argue. And he walks out. I guess I would call that our doctor is a jerk sequence. It's not really a moment. It's kind of an extended sequence. This is our Ian is a flat earther sequence for this episode. Yeah, that that works. (laughs) Um, and, you know, it's kind of the similar jerkiness as we got on the first episode. It's the whole idea of, like, you don't understand a thing, but you're also too dumb to understand it, so I'm not even going to bother trying to explain. I'm just going to drag on you for not understanding it. So what do they find outside the TARDIS? I will tell you in just a moment. Cool. Hey, everyone, this is Kyle. Here on the Doctor's Watcher, we don't have any sponsors, at least not yet, and we haven't even set up a Patreon or anything, but we appreciate you listening. Maybe we'll get around to setting up a Patreon or whatever later, or maybe we'll try to sell you some mattresses or meal prep kits or whatnot, but in the meantime, Benny and I both have Venmos. If you really want to send us some money, let's start with you sending an email to thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com and we'll work something out. Thanks for listening! So we leave the TARDIS, and one of the first things that happens is another kind of indication that maybe the TARDIS actually belongs in the junkyard, which is that the doctor walks out, and he kind of looks back at it, and he says, It's still a police box. Why hasn't it changed? Dear, dear. How very disturbing. And we don't really get much more at that moment. Uh, we just get that line for for now. You know, we get a little bit of dialogue between Ian and Barbara and Susan, where Ian is still kind of coming to grips with being completely fucking wrong. <laughs> and he says, you know, there must be an explanation. And I'm sitting here at home saying, yeah, the explanation is that you traveled through time, dude. The explanation that the doctor literally just gave you. Yep. Turns out that was the explanation. The doctor, meanwhile, has kind of wandered away from the other three. You know, he needs to go take his samples to work out what year they're in. And so he kind of wanders a little ways off and starts poking around in the dirt and he doesn't see Cal the caveman sneaking up behind him and, like, starting to watch him. So he's poking around in the dirt? We don't can't really quite see what he's doing, but he's got, like, suitcase or, you know, an instrument case of you know, scientific tools. Oh, and he's doing science to the he's dirt. He's doing science to the dirt. Okay, gotcha. And meanwhile, Barbara finds some skull in the dirt that... Ian is kind of marveling over. He's like, oh, you know, there's no antlers or horns. Like, maybe it's a horse. Maybe it's something else. Who knows? 
Could be anything, he says. He is a man of many talents. Indeed. But he he is coming to grips with the situation. He he looks around and you know, he kind of marvels at the incredulity of there being a police box in the middle of all this. And then Susan has a moment where she comments on, you know, oh, it should have changed. This, you know, it's a police box. It should have changed. She says it's, it's been an ionic column and a sedan chair. And Barbara cuts in and she's like, Disguising itself wherever it goes. Yes, that's right. You know, Barbara, Barbara's smart. Like, she picks up on these. Click on the update. Yeah. And Susan's like, exactly. Why not this time, you know? Why is it still a police box? Well, because all they had was rocks back then. And if it disguised itself as a rock, you'd never be able to find it again. Right. And, you know, also probably the BBC didn't have a whole lot of budget. And there's a police box left over. Who knows? Do another rock. Right. That's the TARDIS. How do you, like, I, a police box, you can step inside it, so, like, it has a built-in door, so you can enter the TARDIS. How do you step inside an ionic column? Cover? I was wondering that myself. Like, like a sedan chair, you can sit in it, but then everyone can see inside right. it. Right, and does does the chair, like, fold up on you, yeah. and then you're inside, or? Maybe some of those covered ones. Oh, that could work, yeah. It's all fancy. But, yeah, then the column, like... <laughs> that makes no sense. I guess I'm imagining, like, a, a panel that opens and swings <laughs> out like, from the... But, like... I don't know. That's not a very wide doorway. Yeah. Barbara goes to talk to Ian, and she's come to grips with it. You know, she... Obviously, she doesn't understand it, which she tells Ian, you know, I don't understand what's going on any more than you do, but, like, clearly something's going on, and... I think she's selling herself a little bit short there, though. I think she understands. If she's even, yeah. like, on board with the whole time travel thing, then she understands it better than Ian does. Yeah, I think that's true. They talk for a minute, and she mentions, you know, something about Dr. Foreman. Even some of the things Dr. Foreman says. And Ian interrupts her, and he cuts in, and he says, That's not his name. Who is he? Dr. Who? <laughs> and, you know, I kind of, part of me kind of thinks that Anytime a character in a TV show or movie says the name of the episode or the show or the movie, there should be, like, confetti flying. (laughs) And I guess here we've got our second confetti flying moment of the episode as Ian wonders, who is he? Doctor Who? It's not the title of the episode, but title of the show, that counts. Well, we made it all the way through, like, episode one without having actually said Doctor Who. So I imagine people were, like, writing into the BBC, like, uh, why is your show called Doctor Who? Like, <laughs> and then they were like, oh, crap, like, we gotta stick it in there. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, we, we cut away from Ian and Barbara and Susan and back to the doctor who, you know, has been doing science on the dirt, being observed by a Cowley caveman. And he takes the moment to have a smoke break. You know, he, he pulls out his pipe and packs some tobacco in it and lights up a match and <gasps> takes He's got the, fire. the pipe. And yep, as soon as he does that, Cal knocks him the fuck out. 
because he's got fire. Heck yeah. Of course, you know, back at the TARDIS, outside the TARDIS, Susan and Ian and Barbara hear the doctor, like, shout or whatever and, you know, start to get worried that something is up and, you know, Susan starts freaking out, just screaming and crying and... Yeah, she really has just completely lost it, like, instantly. Like, do they know that he's been kidnapped at this point, or is she just like, something happened? No, they just, just, something happened. They don't know anything. Just, something happened. I guess it was a few moments after she had realized that she she couldn't see him anywhere, so she was starting to get concerned, and then they heard him shout or whatever, and then she just completely loses it. But, you know, they... And they kind of look around a little bit, and they're able to find his tool case that he had that he was doing his science with. And, of course, that actually makes Susan freak out and scream and cry even more because, like, here's his things, but not him. Clearly something is up. We cut back to the cave, inside the cave, where there is a huge discussion about the secret of fire. (laughs) Who is Orb going to show the secret of fire to? I think Orb is their word for the sun. Orb will only show the secret of fire to the leader. Zah says, I am the leader. Orb will show me. And I will go and I will stare down Orb and make it tell me. (laughs) Right. I won't blink until Orb blinks. Everyone's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> we get a little bit of Cal's backstory here, actually. Uh, we learn that Cal is not from this tribe. Uh, I guess love interest Her had previously referred to him as the stranger Cal. And, yeah, we hear, we hear now that Cal is not from this tribe. He's from a different tribe. And Cal's entire tribe froze to death. And somehow Cal didn't, and we let him stay here with us, Zaz says. And somewhere around this time, Cal actually shows back up at the cave with the doctor in tow. You know, like he's fireman carrying the doctor into the cave and sets him down on, you know, this stone slab and what whatnot and Cal tells all the cavemen that, you know, this strange creature here inside he's full of fire. And the smoke comes from his mouth. There was a strange tree, the creature was in it. And uh of course Cal can't resist the impulse to like get some drags in on Zaw here. He says, he came out of a strange tree. Zah would have run away if he had seen it, says Cal. You'll die if you wait for Zah to make fire for you. I'm your true leader. I carried this creature here to make fire for you. And, you know, this... He can't make fire himself, but right. he found someone who can. He found... That's delegation. Exactly. That's a sign of true leadership. That's great leadership. He just got my vote. You know? He's going to surround himself with all the best people. Uh, I take back what I said. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this conversation actually goes on for 
quite a while. Uh, lots of discussion about who will make fire, who won't. <laughs> Just not sure how much like meat there is on that bone. Right. Like, I think we've already established the <laughs> basics. Uh, Zah says that he's going to go kill some bears for their warm skins. <laughs> Screw you guys, like, I'm going to kill some bears. We can wear their warm skins. Who needs fire? Right, exactly. We got bears. And But, you know, Zah wants fire and... You know, this goes on for quite a long time until eventually the doctor actually wakes up. You know, Cal knocked him out, but he woke up eventually. And, you know, they, as he kind of starts to wake up, they continue their discussion of, you know, oh, Zah is not the fire maker. And, you know, this old man, this, the creature will make fire for us. It was around this point in the conversation that I started to think about their language technology. We discussed this a little bit earlier, how they haven't quite invented pronouns yet, or maybe pronouns are just kind of being invented. But one thing that I was thinking is that I think the idea of names is a pretty new technology to them. Uh, you know, probably they didn't really need names before because there weren't very many people, but now they're starting to get some more tribes and like more people. So they've, they've come up with the idea of names and Cal is like really into this technology. He likes names a lot. He's always saying, I Cal brought the creature who will make fire. I Cal will be the leader Zah will not make fire. Zah will not kill bears. I cow blah blah Zah. So the, does he actually say I cow? He does. Like he, he's got the, like the several plot. times. He almost got it figured out that like you don't need to say cow if you say if I. You say I. It's like the the prototype of the, the right. technology of pronouns is already there. Or maybe maybe they maybe pronouns are an existing technology and they're trying to figure out the transition to names. <laughs> yeah, it's like the metric system. Right, it's like, you, you just take some time to like catch on. Right. I guess the case is not like the metric system. <laughs> I, Cal, I'm a true leader, and I, Cal, carried him here to make fire for you. And I, Cal, brought him here. But I, Cal, am not afraid of fire. I will make my creature make fire. But, you know, at some point, the doctor wakes up and he hears the conversation going on around them. Uh, At this point in the series, we're just hand-waving the fact that everybody speaks English everywhere. And the doctor, you know, hears all this conversation and he says, you know, let me go and I'll make all the fire you want. You know, he's making big promises. I'll make all this fire for you. And he says, you don't have to be afraid of me. I'm an old man. Um, and, you know, just let me go and I'll make all this fire for you and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You want fire? Oh, yeah. I'll give you all that fire. All the fire <laughs> you could want. And it's like, you know, got the cannon on the, sticking right. out the side of the TARDIS. He's lining up his D6s, <laughs> getting his fireball spell ready. Yes. Uh, but... He he realizes as he goes to make fire for them, he realizes that he doesn't have his matches. <laughs> I guess, you know, when Cal knocked him out and dragged him off, the matches must have been left behind. 
and so he can't make fire. He's starting to get worried. So I don't have my matches. I don't have my matches. And he, he tells them, you know, take me back to my ship and I'll make fire for you. All the fire you want. Zah is, I think, actually kind of happy at this turn of events because now Zah gets to drag on Cal. It's been Cal dragging on Zah the whole time, but now it's, oh, Cal says he will make fire, but Cal will not make fire. The old man cannot make fire. Zah does not say he will do something and not do it. Zah says he will do something and does it. So, yeah. So he's going to kill those bears. Watch out. Yeah, he's, he's going to kill the bears, and we're going to wear their skins and be warm. To be fair, that actually doesn't sound like the worst idea. Yeah, and, like, if you don't know how to make fire, like, killing bears for their skin's probably more reliable. I would vote for somebody who could, like, one-on-one a bear. Yeah. But, you know, Cal says that Za will give you to the tiger. And he rubs his hands and waits for us all to remember him. And, yeah. Cal basically is ready to kill the doctor if he doesn't make fire. <laughs> like, you know, things have gotten pretty heated. Well, the doctor does have fire inside. He does. So, like, like that stick, I mean, you can just break him open. He breathes smoke from his mouth yeah. and produces fire from his fingertips. So, Not like, the worst idea. If he won't produce it, let's just kill him and get it out of him. Meanwhile, Zaz saying, oh, you know, he's just an old man in strange skins. And Zaz says, you know, Cal has been with us for too long. I think it's time for Cal to die. <laughs> and, you know, about this time, Cal goes to kill the doctor if the doctor won't produce fire. And, you know, he he's like holding a knife up to the doctor's throat, ready to kill him when... Barbara and Susan and Ian show up just in time at the cave. And Susan, in all of her screaming and hyperventilating, jumps on Cal's back, basically, and, like, wrestles him away from the doctor and prevents Cal from from murdering her grandfather in front of her. We're real lucky that they showed up in the cave just then, because Cal was, like, on the verge of killing him. Was there a commercial break in between? Uh, you know, this being the BBC, probably not, actually. No, that's true. It was around this point in the episode that my partner, who was watching it with me, commented on how much grunting and screaming there was. <laughs> So so now that that everyone's back together, we've got the Doctor and Susan and Ian and Barbara all here in the cave. Uh, You know, they've saved the Doctor from being killed by Cal, but, you know, at this point, the four of them are kind of captors of the cavemen. And the cavemen decide that they are going to take them all to the Cave of Skulls. Okay, finally. So now we get, like, our main confetti blast yes. of the episode. Everyone um, the camera. Right. We don't actually get to see the Cave of Skulls ourselves yet. We've got some more dialogue and discussion that has to happen first. 
Uh, there's Is it about who's going to make fire? Somewhat, yeah. They're, they're always talking about who's going to make fire. It's a pretty big deal. Well, the, the old woman actually has an interesting point of view. The old woman doesn't want fire. She says that fire will kill us all in the end. Uh, it's kind of unclear whether she thinks like it's going to burn everything down or if it's more of like a political thing, like, you know, fire's going to like divide us from one another. And you know what? Dying of cold was good enough for my parents and their parents before them. Right. We can all just freeze to death like we used to do back in the day. But we, we do have a bit of a discussion between Za and the father of her, the potential love interest, uh, in which Za tells him that old men never like new things to happen. You know, this is our, like, you don't like change. Things are going to change, but old men don't like change. This whole fire thing. Right. That all the kids are into these days. I just don't understand it. And her, the, the, the potential love interest herself, you know, it seems pretty clear that, that she is going to end up with whoever the leader is. She doesn't really have much choice about it, it sounds like. You know, she tells Zah, uh, you know, father's going to give me to the leader. Um, but it, it seems like she wants to be with Zah because she kind of tries to convince her father to give her to Zah. And she says, you know, if you give me to Zah, he will remember and he will always give you meat. But it doesn't really, the conversation doesn't really go anywhere from there. I kind of feel like they do that a lot in these early episodes. We'll kind of have like bits of conversation and bits of discussion that you're like, oh, that's probably important. And then it never gets followed up on. Yeah. So... So who, I mean, at this point, who feels like the good caveman? Like, who are we rooting for, Zah or Cal? Yeah, that's a good question. Who's the better looking one? That's usually the good guy. That's a good point. They're... 1963. They're both pretty scruffy. Uh Uh-huh. We do see Cal first, you know, because he's the shadow at the start of the episode. But he's an ominous shadow. But he's an ominous shadow. Is that points for him? It might be. He, he's less ominous when we actually see his face. Yeah, I don't know. I think I, think I might go for Zaw as the leader just because, like, he doesn't know how to make fire, but he's trying, yeah. you know? Yeah. He, he's rubbing the bone. Yep. He's talking to orb and like what's cal doing like he's just abducting kidnapping old men so we do hear the old lady's perspective that fire will kill us all in the end and she thinks that they should have just killed these four strangers you know straight up why should we keep them around za on the other hand says that we're gonna wait until orb shines again then they die it's not entirely clear why we should wait to kill him until tomorrow, but apparently that's Zaw's plan. Let's, yep. you know, take him to the Cave of Skulls for now, and then when Orb shines again, we'll kill him then. So they do that. Just to show Orb how tough we are. Right. And then Orb will give us fire. We actually do finally now see the interior of the titular Cave of Skulls. And while the cave itself is not made of skulls, there are, in fact, 
a bunch of skulls throughout the cave. Um, it is well named. Human skulls? Indeed. OMG. They, so our heroes, our, our protagonists, are all tied up in the cave, but not terribly securely. I mean, like, to be fair, these guys probably didn't have a very great rope building. That's true. Technology. They're probably, like, inventing kidnapping. Yeah. You know? Uh, tied them up with vines. So we've got, like, we've got our wrists tied together. But that's basically it. And they're tied in front of us, not behind our backs. <laughs> and we're not tied to each other. So, you know, if I were in this situation, I could just walk up to you and say, Hey, Benny, yes. if you untie my wrists, I'll untie your wrists. I feel I find this some pretty, like, advanced thinking, though. That's true. We don't... This, this advanced problem-solving skills. We, we don't actually get that solution in this episode. Uh, Ian does say that we'll use our cunning to escape. That's the plan. We'll use our cunning. <laughs> That's a good plan. Uh, better than using our stupid. The doctor apologizes, actually, for getting them into this mess. Oh. Which I was a bit surprised by. You know, we've we've seen him this whole time being just a curmudgeonly old jerk. Yeah. But, you know, I guess he he apparently realized that, you know, he literally kidnapped two adults... <laughs> Against their will, yeah, like and that, that was took a them through time. Why? Why did he do that? I mean, other than the fact that he's probably going to kill them to keep them quiet, or just dump them. Enjoy twelve million BC, losers. <laughs> Peace. I mean, maybe if the TARDIS was working better, that might have been the plan. Yeah, who knows? But you know, he does. He does realize that you know we're in a pretty sticky situation now, and he apologizes to everyone. And Ian, you know, is kind of looking around the cave a little bit, you know, after making sure, you know, everyone's okay. Uh, He's kind of looking around and he looks at a couple of the skulls Mm -hmm. and he has a realization. He says, look at the skulls. They're all the same. They've been split open. Oh, dang. And we, the viewers, see a big hole in the forehead of the skull he's looking at. Look at the skulls. They have no antlers. These could be anything. (laughs) And Barbara's just shaking her head. (laughs) And yeah, as soon as as he has the realization that they've been split open, we get our title card next episode. Nice. The Forest of Fear. Oh, yeah. One thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit in these first few episodes is the naming schemes. I mentioned at the start how at this point each episode gets individually named. Yeah. But later on, the serials get individually named and not the episodes. So so when we get to that point, of course, the serials will have official names, you Mm -hmm. know, 
the case of the missing stuff, yeah. part three. So this one isn't like the one with the, the cave people. Right. Yeah, back in, in the era where we are currently, the serials don't have official names because they're just the episode names. Uh-huh. So the fans online, the Doctor Who fan community, I'm assuming probably from the 60s on, has basically given them names. Oh, cool. Uh, it's not and, the cave people one. Right. So in a lot of cases, they'll just use like the name of the first episode of the serial, but but not always. Often it'll they'll use a name that's not one of the episodes in the serial. It's unrelated. And so, for example, this serial that we're currently watching is commonly referred to as... 10,000 BC. Oh, gotcha. The name of the serial. But none of the episodes in it are called 10,000 BC. Does anybody ever actually say that we're in 10,000 BC? I don't think so. I don't think the year is ever actually identified. But the other, the other interesting part of it, though, that I wanted to mention is that when I say that it's commonly referred to as 10,000 BC. Uh-huh. That's kind of only somewhat true because this this serial as a whole, I won't spoil how many episodes the arc is, but this this serial is actually commonly referred to as an unearthly child. Mm. I disagree. I think an unearthly child is just the first episode. Uh-huh. And that's kind of its own little package deal. Uh-huh. Like, that first episode has nothing to do with 10,000 BC. You know, they could have gone from there to any time, any place. The only indication we have is, like, the last shot of the model TARDIS in the sand and dirt. And we don't know. Like, that could be alien sand and dirt in the year 20 million. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so I consider an unearthly child to be its own separate entity, and this current serial that that we're discussing is 10,000 BC. It is not an unearthly child. It is just 10,000 BC. Hmm. So, like, you see um, the unearthly child as a standalone episode. Basically, yeah. Its own serial. Even yeah, it doesn't really go anywhere or do anything. It's just kind of this right. It's like intro. it's like the prologue yeah. of the entire series, essentially. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, are you listening, Doctor Who fans? That's my rant to the internet. We, An we don't like, child is not ten thousand BC. We don't like your serial naming conventions. So take that. <laughs> I think that's the only one I've disagreed with so far, but I will let you know, Internet, if I find any others that you are incorrect on. Also, if they never actually say that they're in 10,000 BC, we shouldn't call it 10,000 BC. We should call it the one with the cave people. I'm good with that. The serial is officially called the one with the cave people. Yes, we've decided. Better update your wikis. Well, I think that's what I've got for the Cave of Skulls. So I hope you all join us next time for episode two of The One with the Cave People, The Forest of Fear. Bye.
Hey, Kyle here. I want to say thanks to Circa23 for the awesome theme song he wrote for us. You can check out his other music at soundcloud.com slash circuit23, and you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23 at gmail.com. Thanks to Benny for listening to me talk about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to Benny listen to me talk about Doctor Who. You can follow us on Twitter at DoctorWatcher, and you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com. If you liked the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. If your rating is not five stars, save yourself the time and don't even bother. Join us again in two weeks on The Doctor's Watcher. <laughs> That's just what we do. Na, 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 Our podcast na, na. about Doctor Who. <laughs>